0: Welcome to the three martini lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. Happy uh, hump day. We're getting over that hump as we always do. We like to give you the three martinis. I'm uh, Chad Benson in for Greg Corumbus. As always, Jim Garrity is here, and we've got your good, your bad, and your crazy today. And let's uh, start with the good. And the good might be a good for the GOP as we head into another battle, time and tested Senate fight. And this time, it might be Montana that can deliver some love for the GOP, if you will, the grand old party. What do you think about this, Jim?
1: Yeah, so this, uh, people kind of knew that heading into the 2024 cycle, a lot of it was going to be in states that Republicans generally do pretty well in. Uh, Democrats will need to defend some, you know, some swing state seats like Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Uh, In past editions, we talked about whether Joe Manchin was going to run for re-election, but what's really jumping out is Montana, and the Daily Beast has a preview of the race, and what's really kind of intriguing is the current Democratic incumbent, John Tester, is not certain that he's going to run for re-election. And usually we're at the point in the cycle where if you're not, you want to make that signal pretty clear so that other folks can prepare a run. Uh, The other thing that kind of jumps out about this report in the Daily Beast is it quotes quite a few Montana Democrats who basically act like there is no plan B, that John Tester is the only figure who they think can keep this seat and win this race. it's kind of an intriguing a a you know de- former Democratic candidate who ran for the congressional district out there says, I don't think there's another Democrat in the state of Montana right now that could beat a Republican other than Senator Tester for that Senate seat. Um now is this a guarantee? No, but this is kind of an interesting indicator that he's not certain for this. Um He's basically not indicating when he intends to announce whether he'll be running for reelection, which probably is another reason for Montana Democrats to be nervous about this. So, again, not a surefire lock. But if Tester does choose to not run for reelection, Republicans have a relatively easy pickup opportunity and the likelihood of a Republican Senate majority looks a little bit better heading into 2024.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know he is—he's uh, not old uh, by any means, and especially when we get ready to talk about the bad coming up. But the reality is—is is, uh, you start thinking, you know, it's—it's it's not like Congress, where you run every two years. This is a six-year commitment, and it feels like when I've read some articles about it that I'm not quite sure he's up for that kind of uh, a long-term ride.
1: Yeah, it was, the article notes that he's currently 66 by 2024 he'll be 68 he has a farm in montana and he point they point out that the flight from dc to montana is about 8 hours he does twice a week when the senate's in session and of course he's got to get to the airport from his home you know this is not um the, the wear and tear of a job like this can can take a take you know take a toll on a guy and so i don't think anybody would say Um, You know, how dare he? He's been in there a couple of terms. But uh, I think Democrats desperately want him to stay in there. And I think Republicans, even if he does run, Republicans feel like they've got a pretty good chance in a presidential election turnout year against him. He's survived in the past. uh, But I do think that this is one where uh, the other, only other kind of note I would throw out is that he was pretty you know, fired up about the lack of the Biden administration's response to the Chinese spy balloon. I'm kind of foreshadowing another one of our martinis today. That struck me as a guy who did not want to be seen as ignoring his constituents and who was wanted to be seen as willing to take on the administration when his constituents were upset. So maybe that's an indicator that, you know, Tester still has some fight in him.
0: Maybe, maybe it has got a flat top, and I'm sure all the stuff that we're talking about is enough to make everybody want to drink this early in today.
1: Ah, an excellent segue there, Chad, because you must start taking care of your liver now more than ever. That is directed to you, the listeners, not Chad specifically. Why? Because the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver are 3.5 times more likely to have heart failure than those without And unfortunately the American liver foundation says that more than 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means a lot of people are at risk. Now the thing is we throw everything at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins, cigarettes. And unfortunately that means many of us have a sluggish fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy for decades. Your liver has helped you with more than 500 key functions every day. Well, it's time for you to help your liver. And there's a solution called liver health formula an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. It's manufactured right here in the U.S. and is approved by American doctors. You can try Liver Health Formula and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3 to keep your heart healthy. You'll also be getting four free eBooks to help support every aspect of your health. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhealth.com forward slash martini, and claim your five free bonus gifts. Once again, that's getliverhelp.com slash martini.
0: Yes, uh, another thing that wants to make you drink is the whole thing with Diane Feinstein. I think everybody knows it's the worst kept secret in D.C. and in California that she's got some memory problems, some serious issues by now. And I said this earlier on my show today, uh, Jim, that, look, I would hope somebody would have taken the keys away from me by now. And uh, it looks like she's finally given up the ghost of of continuing to uh, to run for re-election over and over again. But it, there's a lot of questions about age, you know, not just with our president, but with a lot of people that are that are getting a little bit long in the tooth.
1: Indeed, Chad. I can even imagine if there was, like, say, a candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania, and he suffered a terrible stroke and he brought out a, a note from his doctor saying that he had no health issues and be fully capable of performing all of his duties. And then he suddenly had to go to the hospital for several days. But uh, no, I, I thought about making this a good martini because it means that the charade around Diane Feinstein was ending. But I do think this is bad, not that she's departing, but because it's been an open secret for years and many publications, including ones out in California, The New Yorker magazine, the New York Times, they've all written pretty in-depth exposes with on-the-record sources and with examples. And people have seen going back even before the Kavanaugh hearings of cases where Dianne Feinstein would say something one day, get asked about it by a reporter the next day, and she would insist she had never said it. She would be corrected by her staff on what her actual position was. Um, There was an infamous case in a hearing where she asked the exact same question verbatim within two minutes of each other. You know, it's basically been an open secret that Dianne Feinstein is senile. And it's really unfortunate. It's tragic. You hate to see that happen. But the appropriate thing to do in that circumstance is to say, I can no longer perform my duties and I will be stepping down and I will allow the governor to appoint my successor. And instead, Dianne Feinstein just stayed in office. Now, ideally, this would spur a serious discussion of what do we do in this circumstance? Nobody else in the Senate wanted to uh, force her resignation or expel her or something like that. But on the other hand, it's it's something of a joke. It's clear, you know, there are these accounts and these descriptions of her not remembering conversations she just had, uh, kind of walking around in confusion. You know, basically being guided step by step by her um, by her staff. It sounded like at some point she really even had trouble reading and understanding documents put in front of her. At that point, you really can't do the job of being a senator anymore. And and like I said, it was not the media completely ignored it, but I also noticed this never turned into a sustained drumbeat. This never turned into a sustained, serious effort to say, Feinstein cannot do the job anymore. It's time for her to step down. Um, I've heard some other make the argument that you can make a similar case about that Cochran. Uh, And as you know. Uh, Chad, I just happened to look it up. It turns out that uh, Joe Biden will be having his annual physical today. It's been a bit more than a year since his annual physical. We just sort of went through the incident with Fetterman. A lot of these cases, we are trusting people in office to be honest and have, you know, uh, uh, accurate assessments of their own health and to resist the urge to stay in office, even if their physical health will not allow them to do that. So I'd really like to see a better solution to this. Unfortunately, we don't. I don't know if we need necessarily a maximum age or forced retirement age for Congress. I know they do it for airplane pilots. Um, but this just seems like a really egregious example of someone who should have retired probably you know, four or five years ago and unfortunately did not.
0: No. It's it's again, it's it's this weird thing where I always feel like there are people back there that will prop up kind of like weekend at Bernie's to do anything to hide all of this stuff, because the power is more important, not realizing that that's a human being that somebody's husband, wife, father, son, whatever it is. And it it, there and the people, the constituents they represent, they deserve better than that. Take away the political side of it. It's just it it feels like there's got to be a better way of handling these things.
1: Yeah, and some of this is indeed on the voters of California um, in that both last election, or you could even argue two terms ago, they could have said, you know, thank you for your service, Diane Feinstein, but it's time to move on to some new blood, a fresher face. Um, it is good that, you know, like there there are some lawmakers who are getting up there in years, like Chuck Grassley, who when you challenge him about his age or being too old, will immediately get down and start put challenging you to a push-up contest. Uh, so it's like, obviously some folks can be, uh, full of pep and vigor and energy and, and their full mental uh, abilities well into old age. But there are some who can't. And I think in the case of Feinstein, it couldn't be hid, hidden any longer. And weirdly, you'd expect, okay, well, that's when this would, you know, she would then depart and she just didn't. And everybody just kind of was like shook their head and looked at their feet and, you know, pretended it wasn't happening when it was very transparent that she was indeed too old for the job.
0: So we've given you your good and your bad, Martini's. How about a third one? And this one is crazy indeed. Look in the sky. It's a Chinese balloon. And we knew that for quite a long time. We just decided not to say anything.
1: Yeah, this was a, a, you know, uh, revelation from military, uh, U.S. military and intelligence agencies to not just the Washington Post, but several other news organizations. So clearly this is an organized kind of briefing or release saying that the military had been tracking that balloon for nearly a week uh, before it crossed into American airspace late last month, uh, they had certainly watched it as it lift off from the home base on Hanain, uh, Hainan, H A I N A N Island in China's mm-hmm. south coast. Uh, apparently, it settled on a flight path that would have taken it over the U.S. territory of Guam, uh, but then it kind of took an unexpected northern turn and then ended up towards Alaskan Ujian, Alaska's Aleutian Islands. Now, the irony is that this suggests that maybe this was not a deliberate effort. Uh, to go over these sites by the Chinese military, um, which is unusual. This would be a, a, you know, kind of an unusual thing. They basically had aimed for Guam, and it just floated, and it just happened to go over the Illusion Islands, which had some key mili- U.S. military sites, and then over key U.S. missile defense sites in uh, the more eastern part of Alaska, then over Canada and the Yukon, then over into Montana, then over the U.S. military bases uh, and, and ICBM bases in Montana, then down across uh, Missouri, where we just happened to have our stealth fighters, then over the coast of South Carolina where it was shot down. Which that's kind of, that's an amazing how the jet stream just happened to take it past all those sites, or maybe it just indicates that the US has a lot of sites. Um so it's a interesting revision to uh, the narrative here. It does kind of raise the question of whether the plan was to just watch this for for the as you know as long as it floated um it is it is strange it it is the washington post kind of tries to look at the atmospheric wind models for that time period and project the route that it took um but it sounds like at least for seven days the military knew where this thing was and was keeping an eye on it so the other odd wrinkle to all this is that uh vice president kamala harris is going to be off to the munich security conference um she did an interview with politico and was asked about Uh, whether the recent downing of the Chinese spy balloon uh, would have an impact on diplomatic relations between the U.S. and China. And she said, I don't think so. No. Uh, Now, this is not the single biggest event in U.S.-Chinese relations. I think it it pales in comparison to, say, the COVID-19 pandemic. But this does seem like a particularly big deal, and that does seem like an odd answer. But then again, Chad, I guess we've gotten used to odd answers from the vice president
0: yeah yeah it's it's uh i was the whole thing was spectacular and i said this they went so daniel day lewis last week where they fired their head of the weather service over there because it was like his fault i mean they were method acting in such a great way the chinese because they get sold behind all of this stuff and of course it's it's yeah. Did we probably know something was up there? I found out yesterday we launched a thousand weather balloons worldwide a day, 200 here in the United States alone. And they don't even have to file anything with the FAA about their flight patterns. So I'm sure there's all kinds of crazy stuff flying around there. But this was so egregious and embarrassing.
1: Yeah. You know, it's I've heard people say this the contention from likes of uh, Chuck Schumer that this is a humiliation for China. And If indeed this really was uh, something that they did not intend to send over to the US and that the wind carried it that way, Um, then in fact, yes, and that is a major embarrassment to them. They certainly aren't acting embarrassed or chastened or humbled by any of this. Uh, Yes, they did issue an apology, but they also acted with great outrage that the U.S. had shot it down. And also keep in mind, again, this is not a weather balloon. This is indisputably based on components the U.S. has found, a surveillance or spy balloon. So um, I kind of thought this is – we have not heard the last on this, and this does seem like a strange – uh, development in all of this to say, oh, actually, the, for the U.S. to actually come out and say, oh, hey, maybe the Chinese never meant to do this all along. It would be an answer that would kind of get the, the... That's the kind of answer you'd get if the Biden administration really wanted to tamp down tensions with Beijing.
0: Yeah, but I'm not just feeling like I, I, I'm i still flabbergasted that we've shot four things down over the continental. Uh, well, not just the United States, but North America. And we haven't got the president coming out and having any kind of conversation, which to me is also just bizarre.
1: Yes, I, I concur that the various people have said this doesn't make a lot of sense for, um, you know, the, the Biden talks about all kinds of issues all the time. The one time we actually want to hear from the commander in chief, he's he's not interested in chatting.
0: No, it's interesting. He, of course, is uh, Jim Garrity. I'm Chad Benson. Follow me at Chad Benson uh, show. And if you want to follow you, your great writings talked about you today on my show. Where does everybody go to grab all of your great stuff?
1: Well, first and foremost, at the National Review at, uh, at the Morning Jolt newsletter, uh, oftentimes in the corner. I have a piece in the most recent print issue, looking at the record of Pete Buttigieg at the Department of Transportation. Uh, As luck will have it, later today, I'm supposed to appear on Meet the Press Now with Chuck Todd on MSNBC. And as always, I'm on Twitter, at Jim Garrity.